Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. What happens when we blur the distinction between ourselves and others? When we find ourselves feeling what another is feeling? This is empathy. It can be absolutely paralyzing or it can surface what is humane in our humanity. Sympathy is caring. Compassion motivates us to help. Empathy is a deep dive into another's experience. Empathy is seeing with the eyes of another listening with the ears of another, feeling with the heart of another. Earlier this month, Kem and I taught a two-day course on animal rescue. On the first morning, she showed the film Peaceable Kingdom. In one scene, a farm is condemned and all the animals must be removed. Local farmers come with every manner of vehicle trying to load them up to save them. In the chaos, two ewes are separated from their lambs. In the next scene, the ewes are standing at the edge of their new pasture, bleating and lowing pitifully. They have been there for three days calling for their babies. Tears spring to my eyes. I cannot imagine their heartache. And if I ever doubted that sheep would feel the way I might feel, their plaintive keening tells the heart-rending truth. And then a truck pulls up. The farmers, also deeply distressed by this scene, have called all over the county looking for the lost sheep, and they've found them. The tailgate is opened and fluffy white lambs leap into the air. The ewes come running. They find their respective babies, and for the first time in three days, their voices change from piercing cries to low, comforting bleeding. And now I'm really crying. <laughs> so grateful to the humans for reuniting these families. And as a bonus, two extra little lambs, apparently motherless, are immediately integrated into the fold. Empathy is so painful. And then 
when we choose to do the right thing, it's so freeing. Here in the United States, we cherish our individualism. Competition, striving to be the best, and winning are highly valued. This behavior equates to success. We don't question it. But what standing out and being a star requires of us takes a big bite out of our humanity and our happiness. A theory stood for a long time that humans are innately selfish. We now know that that simply is not true. We are born wired for social connectedness, and it turns out that empathy, that capacity to put ourselves in each other's places and really feel what it feels like, empathy is a key to happiness. All the latest neurological research shows that humans derive more happiness from cooperating with others than from winning alone. Scientists have discovered the social brain, which lights up to show that we are driven be by something beyond self-interest. It's been proven that caring relationships are one of the biggest predictors of happiness, well above having money. Last week, Kem and I took 16 teenagers on a service trip to Best Friends Animal Sanctuary in Kanab, Utah. There are 1,700 rescued animals in residence. There's a lot of cleaning up to do. But one of the most important volunteer jobs is to socialize the animals. Until their arrival in Angel Canyon, they have suffered egregiously at the hands of humans. At the end of a shift in Dogtown, eight kids are ushered into a huge, empty, fenced yard. They are told by the staff to remain seated to allow dogs to approach them, to make no sudden movements, to be calm and peaceful. Suddenly, the kennel doors are opened and dogs, dogs, dogs come pouring out. And despite everything that has happened to them, most of them make a beeline for the kids who speak to them in low voices, waiting for a sign from them that it's all right to pet them. They don't wait long. The dogs nuzzle them, lick their faces, plop down in the red clay dirt next to them, or into their laps, wanting affection and attention. Even in the midst of their glia, the kids are keenly aware that there are two dogs who have not come to them. The kids know not to look at these two so as not to awaken aggression in them. These dogs are newcomers to the sanctuary, strays who have had to fight for their lives and have known no human kindness until they were brought to best friends. They are pacing the fence line, panting, drooling, frantic. The kids are obviously distressed by the raw fear in the new rescues and all that it means, but they just keep petting the dogs who have settled in with them. They just keep exuding kindness.
And then there is a moment, perhaps the moment when a critical mass of empathy fills the desert air, when the new arrivals somehow sense they are safe, and suddenly both sit down. There is an almost imperceptible sigh of relief, a shared knowledge that we have all, humans and dogs alike, experienced the first moment of healing for these two. Later that evening, the kids universally report that that moment was the high point of their day. Empathy. Possibly from the German einfühlen, meaning feeling into. The word is almost about 100 years old, but it has awakened significant interest in its moral implications. In August of 2006, President Obama gave the commencement address to Xavier University in New Orleans. Just months before, in the days after Hurricane Katrina, nearly 400 Xavier students and faculty were trapped on a roof waiting for rescuers with a sign that said, help us. At the beginning of their senior year, this class had been forced to scatter to schools across the country. That January, against all odds, their remarkable president, Norman Francis, had overseen the reopening of Xavier. President Obama tells them, today and every day, you have a responsibility to remember what happened here in New Orleans, to allow it to change you forever. He asked them to address what he calls the empathy deficit. It's a difficult path, he says. It asks more of you. It asks you to recognize that there are people out there who need you. When you think like this, when you choose to broaden your ambit of concern and empathize with the plight of others, it becomes harder not to act, harder not to help. Remember always that while many in Washington failed New Orleans, President Obama concludes, there were plenty of ordinary people who displayed extraordinary humanity during this city's hour of need. In the years to come, return this favor to those who are forced to weather their own storms. In 2010, two important books on empathy were published, championing the empathy cure for society's ills. Paul Ehrlich and Robert Ornstein's Humanity on a Tightrope, and Jeremy Rifkin's The Empathetic Civilization. Both make the powerful argument that empathy has been the main driver of human progress and that we need more of it if our species is to survive. Ehrlich and Ornstein want us to emotionally join a global family. Rifkin calls us to make the leap to global empathetic consciousness. He sees this as the last best hope for saving the world from environmental destruction and concludes with the plaintive question, can we reach biosphere consciousness and global empathy in time to avoid planetary collapse? In early August of 2015, 
Sisters Yusra and Sarah Mardini, ages 17 and 20, fled their home in Damascus, joining a wave of Syrian refugees escaping the war. They made their way to Lebanon and on to Turkey, where they paid smugglers to take them to Greece. At dusk one evening, 20 people crowded onto a small inflatable dinghy built for six. Within half an hour, the motor failed and the boat began taking on water. All but four of the passengers couldn't swim. They pitched their bags overboard as the wind churned up the Aegean Sea. Conditions worsened. Yusra, Sarah, and the other swimmers jumped into the water, hoping to give the boat more buoyancy. And then they spent three and a half hours in the water, pushing the boat to land, saving the lives of all 20 people and getting them safely to Lesbos. The sisters went on to travel through Macedonia, Serbia, Hungary, Austria, and then finally reached Germany, where Yusra Mardini joined a Berlin swim team and went on to qualify and swim for the refugee team at the Olympic Games in Rio. I want everyone to think refugees are normal people, she says, who had their homelands and lost them, not because they wanted to run away and be refugees, but because they wanted to live and had dreams in their lives, and they had to go. This past fall, Sarah returned to Lesbos where she serves as a volunteer lifeguard, scanning the horizon of the Aegean through binoculars, searching for dinghies carrying refugees from Turkey. She works in a team of four, rescuer, skipper, medic, and translator. Out on the water, Sarah is often the one who calms refugees, many of whom cannot swim. I talk them through it, she says. I tell them, I know what you feel because I've been through it, I lived it, and I survived. And they feel better because I am a refugee just like them. Most people feel an aversion to empathy. The sheer magnitude of suffering can be overwhelming, immobilizing, but again, caring, and connection and kindness are by far the happiest choice. One more story. Best Friends Animal Sanctuary. You can bring home a rescued animal to spend the night in your cabin, to give them an opportunity for socialization and to give you the fun of a sleepover. On the first evening, I went to Dogtown headquarters to pick up an overnight guest for the kids. The woman behind the desk offered me a dog named Bagel, a very nice mixed breed who will almost certainly be adopted very soon. I knew the kids would love Bagel, but I asked her if she had a dog who might not be the first one out. She told me there was a black Mastiff mix named Bull who had been found wandering on the nearby Navajo reservation. Bull had been used for target practice. She said he was full of buckshot. You could feel it in his back and in his ear. No one ever chooses to take Bull for the night. On behalf of the kids, I chose Bull.
As we pulled up to where they were waiting, Bull, a little anxious and very excited, hopped out of the van and was instantly enveloped in 16 pairs of arms. The kids' outrage over what had happened to him was outstripped only by their empathy. Can you imagine, they asked, he must have been so frightened. Everyone wanted to hold his leash. Everyone wanted to throw his toys and rub his belly and feed him treats. Everyone wanted him to sleep in their bed. Bull and the kids spent a fabulous night together. And today, if you go to the Best Friends website, you'll find Bull up for adoption. Beloved spiritual companions, empathy is seeing with the eyes of another, listening with the ears of another, feeling with the heart of another, a deep dive into another's experience. Let us give our hearts to the underdog. Let us strive to make the leap to global empathic consciousness. Empathy can be paralyzing or it can surface what is humane in our humanity. Cooperation, caring, connection, and kindness are the biggest predictors of happiness. May we choose empathy. May we choose happiness. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.